Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. Hi, it's Manveen here. For today's episode, I'm handing over the presenting to my colleague, Will Rowe, one of the producers on Stories of Our Times. Just a warning, this episode discusses domestic abuse. Today's story starts with a woman we're calling Lisa. In her late teens, she ended up in an abusive relationship, physical and emotional. But after it ended, things didn't stop there. Lisa recently spoke with The Times reporter Constance Kampfner. She's been looking into how jealous partners are keeping tabs on their other halves. This kind of technology, it's, it's a great tool to manipulate and gaslight someone, basically make them think they're going crazy. And now, domestic abuse charities are warning that intrusive technology is being normalised amongst young people. The question I had is, is, why do younger people have more tolerance for tracking each other and for being tracked? Maybe because we are increasingly teaching kids not to value their own digital privacy. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Will Rowe. Today, why are Gen Z stalking their partners? My name's Constance Kampfner and I'm a reporter at The Times. I'm particularly interested in anything that's about figuring out what makes people tick. How did you come to find this story? Well, this one actually came about quite organically, just from speaking with friends and family about relationships, as you do. And it struck me that people just a couple of years younger than me had quite a different expectation of privacy in a relationship, and especially post-COVID. So I started doing a bit of digging. And just in a sentence or two, what is this story about? Essentially, it's about people stalking each other, snooping on their partners. 
We're going to start with a lady called Lisa. Who is Lisa? Lisa is a woman I was put in touch with through the domestic abuse charity uh, Refuge. And Lisa's not her real name. It's a pseudonym that we're using to help keep her safe for reasons that will become quite obvious. Why is that then? Well, uh, her ex who we'll be talking about, he's still out there. And like many victims of stalking, she has to be careful. So we've used her words, but they're being voiced by a producer in this podcast. What happened to Lisa? Well, when she was a late teenager, sort of 19 years old, she got into a relationship with a man that from talking to her sounds extremely abusive emotionally and physically. How long were they together? It was brief. It was uh, less than a year. What happens after that relationship breaks down? Well, so this is where Lisa's story, which was already uh, pretty troubling, gets a lot darker. He showed up to my dad's address that I'd never given him like during that time we were together or anything. Um, he had his friend show up to where I work. Her ex was turning up at her dad's house, but she'd never told him where her dad lived. He had friends show up to where Lisa worked and it just went on and on. He kept turning up wherever she was and she couldn't figure out how. And to begin with, What does Lisa put this down to? She sort of just assumes that he's worked it out. So at first it was like, maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe he figured it out. Maybe I said something when we were together and he just kind of remembered it or whatnot. But it started to get a little bit more, like, uncanny as time went on. But then one day she gets really weirded out. My sister, she had broken her phone. I knew I was going to be in the house all day anyway. I didn't need to have my phone on me. So I said that she could borrow my phone. And her sister needed to go to hospital. When she arrived there, she was confronted by Lisa's ex-boyfriend's friend, A whole group of his friends had showed up to the hospital thinking that it was me. So from there, it kind of, it got a bit weird. Because, like, no one I knew had given him any type of location or anything for me. Uh, it It was a whole group of them. It was quite intimidating. Okay, this, so just to, just so I understand this. So basically... Lisa's at home one day. Her sister says, I want to go to hospital. She needs to go to hospital for whatever reason. Um, She says, can I borrow your phone? And then Lisa says, yeah, that's fine. Take my phone for the day. And then these guys turn up thinking that obviously she probably looks a bit like Lisa. They're not 100% sure. And then her sister is confronted by her ex-boyfriend's mates. Exactly that. So this whole group of guys sort of um, surround her. And she has no idea what's going on here? No, no idea. Okay, that sounds alarming. How does Lisa react to this? So she starts to get really suspicious of the people around her. She's thinking maybe people are telling her ex, you know, what her plans are. So she starts giving out false information about where she's going to be the next day. She's dropping red herrings. And what happens? And he still tracks her down. Right. Then what? Well, the physical threats at this point have been intensifying. They're saying 
really nasty things. His friends told her sister that they'd sexually assault her, uh, that they assault other family members. There was a lot of that kind of thing happening. And understandably, Lisa is getting really frightened and she goes to the police. And when she goes to the police, she hands in her phone and that's when she finds out that stalkerware has been installed covertly on there. They went through it. They told me that there were certain things on my phone that they were suspicious of. So they kept it for about a month. They found the spyware on my phone and basically said, well, there's nothing we can really do. You can get a new phone. We don't know if it'll be transferred when you transfer your data over. So I got a new phone. Essentially, he's been tracking Lisa in some capacity on her mobile phone. Yeah. Which explains the hospital story. Exactly. Because her sister had the phone. He knew where she was thanks to the GPS on there. But once she did know that, looking back, all sorts of things started to make sense. I have no doubt that he used it on me during the relationship. There were certain things that he should never have known about that he all of a sudden did. So he would kind of drop things into conversation about her past, sometimes really difficult things that she hadn't wanted to tell him and he suddenly seemed to know about. I never thought that there would be apps that could be the difference between am I going to have a decent day with my partner or am I going to have a day where I run the risk of being knocked out or having a black eye or busted lip. And... Constance, do you know what happened to Lisa's ex-boyfriend after all this and after she'd gone to the police? Yeah, so he, he was charged. There was a, uh, a trial and he was jailed for harassment with the intent to cause harm and aggravated assault. I guess listening to this, what you've told me about Lisa's ex-boyfriend, he, he sounds like a particularly controlling, manipulative figure anyway. Not a nice guy. He's gone to jail for what he did. But is this to you different? Does this go to another level, this sort of stalking? None of this behaviour happens in a vacuum, right? Back in the day, maybe you'd have an abusive partner who could have kept tabs on your checkbook or hired a private detective to follow you. So in a sense, nothing new under the sun. Stalking and abusive behaviour, you know, it happens and it likely would have taken place with or without this technology. And yet, tech has made it so cheap and easy. If you think about a mobile phone, I mean, I don't know about you, but mine is almost like a little window into my soul, right? You can find out what I'm stressed about that week, who I'm close with, you know, whatever it is. And with access to that, you suddenly have a myriad of ways that you can control and manipulate someone. Is it illegal to put something on someone's phone and then track them? There's no specific law against it per se, but the Crown Prosecution Service have said that using this kind of thing, spyware or stalkerware, on someone without their permission is already illegal under a few different laws, uh, including protection from harassment and the Computer Misuse Act, which makes it illegal to gain access to a person's computer without their knowledge or consent. And Constance, how common is this, people stalking their partners in this way? I mean, I'm guessing it's probably mainly boyfriends doing it to current or ex-girlfriends. 
yeah, like other forms of domestic abuse, obviously it can happen both ways, but researchers have found that uh, overall men are more likely to snoop on their partner's phones without permission in the UK. But it, it's it's hard to know exactly how often this is happening, partly because often people don't know it's happening. It might be on your phone and, and stay there undetected, or people don't always report these things to police or to domestic abuse services. The people who are able to kind of give you some figs on this tend to be cybersecurity companies who spot this thing, the software that kind of can spot malware on, on people's phones. Uh, and there's a company called Avast, which is one of the world's um, biggest in, in that sector. Yeah, And they found that the risk of encountering these kinds of apps has increased uh, by over 200% between 2020 and 2022. And that's across the world. In line with the pandemic? In line with the pandemic. That's when it really shot up. Um, People's lives moved online. It made sense that that would be, you know, if you weren't living with your partner, let's say, that might be a a good way of continuing to control them. From what you're saying to me, it sounds like some people are saying there is a bit of a rise um, with people sort of stalking their partners. Lisa's case sounds particularly on the extreme. Have you been chatting with anyone else about this? Yeah, so... There's a sliding scale, isn't there, of kind of digital monitoring in its softest forms to to what Lisa experienced. But according to Women's Aid, which is a domestic abuse charity, nearly a third of survivors have experienced the use of either spyware or things like GPS locators on their devices. So that's a third of people who are survivors of domestic abuse just generally will have some kind of stalking on their phones. Yeah, it could be on your phone, it could be something like an air tag, but some way in which their partner is essentially digitally monitoring their location or their messages or that kind of thing. And going back to Lisa, how is she doing now? Well, she's doing better, you know, she's safe, but it's tough. Uh, She really struggles to leave the house. She gets triggered by all sorts of things, including hearing people speaking in the same accent as her ex-partner. I can't hear his accent without having a breakdown. I can't watch certain things without having a breakdown. She doesn't like to text. She prefers to make phone calls. I try to make sure that everything I do is kind of hidden, I guess. So I use a lot of the hidden features on my phone. Because again, she's just got that lingering fear of who's watching, who's listening. Coming up, Constance stalks me to see how this all works. And are parents unwittingly giving their kids the wrong message when it comes to trust? That's in just a moment. Just a reminder, this weekend, if you're a Time subscriber, you can catch the latest episode of Inside the Newsroom. It's our behind-the-scenes series on Apple Podcasts. It's just for subscribers to The Times and The Sunday Times, and it's on the Stories of Our Times feed. If you want to know more about that and how to access it and how to listen, just visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash bonus podcasts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Most people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. So, Constance, for this story, for this episode, I wanted to get a sense of how this stalkerware actually works. So the other day, I gave you my phone, and we're recording this on a Friday, and you've essentially been stalking me since uh, Tuesday evening. So for about two and a half days, I'm actually just going to get the phone here. I won't name the app, but you put an app on my phone, which... Many person could do with their girlfriend or boyfriend, I guess, because after a while you just kind of know what people's codes are. Mm -hmm. You've downloaded this. Um, if I actually look at my phone, you know when you've got like all your apps on your phone? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got, just looking through here now, I've got one, two, three, four, five. I've got six screens there. Oh my God, there. you don't use folders. I don't use, well, I've got a few folders. God, that is horrific to look at. Okay, maybe that's showing our age, <laughs> our age difference. <laughs> But in, but in essence, let's be honest, if you look at how disorganised my apps are, I probably wouldn't have noticed this little app, which I'm looking at now. What exactly have you found that I've been up to in the last two and a half days? I'm a little bit worried about this. It must be a, a weird feeling. Um, it was quite weird stalking you, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. uh, not something I thought I'd do. Um, so the first day that I gave it to you, well, we were both in the office. Yep. And I was notified as soon as you left the office. And oh, God. Yeah, and I watched you cycle home to where you live in South London. I'm not going to be giving out your address. How quick was I? Uh, you were going pretty fast at points. You were going up to 17 miles an hour. Thank you. But you were doing something you shouldn't be doing. Do you know what that was? Did I run a red light? No, not, <laughs> not as far as I'm aware of. Oh, was I listening to something? You could have been listening to something. All I know is that you checked your phone three times on that journey, which you really shouldn't be doing whilst in transit. How do you know that I was looking at my phone? Because I get notified. C could you see when you had this app installed mm -hmm. every time I looked at it? Yeah. Okay. Um, this morning, actually, you left the house at 6.30am. Yeah. You went for a big cycle ride. You looped Regent's Park. <laughs> yes. Then you were on Brewer Street, just off Piccadilly Circus for about half an hour, I presume having breakfast. Yeah, I stopped for a coffee with some friends. Yeah. Yeah, this is quite creepy. Is it? Yeah, You so, and also one thing I must stress is, I, not that this is like a scam, but I wouldn't have noticed you put that on my iPhone. It's a pretty insignificant little app, so if you'd have got my passcode, you could easily have just downloaded it. 
Did you know when I left the house then? Did you have a thing which... Notified every time you left the house, every time you left the office. So you finished your uh, cycle ride. Yeah. You went back home. Yeah. All this might I add before I'd even woken up. (laughs) 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 And then you got the train into the office and you arrived about 10 to 1, about an hour before we were due to record this podcast. Yeah, that's creepy. So the app that you put on my phone, you were literally just monitoring my movements. But more generally, how do some of these apps work? Yeah, so I mean, what I put on your phone was really basic and yeah. the kind of thing that isn't isn't illegal as long as it's used with somebody's consent. As you said, that's a bit blurry, right? Because had I installed that on your phone without your knowledge, then um, you you wouldn't have been consenting to it. And that's one thing that domestic abuse charities are really pushing for is for these apps to really flag to people that they're being watched and give people the option maybe every couple of days to to turn that off really kind of just keep people alerted what happened to lisa you said that during the relationship she was worried that he was actually privy to conversations she'd been having so i guess to what level can this intrusion be with some of these apps yeah, I mean, some of these apps, it's it's really scary. They give you access to someone's messages, call logs. I mean, some even let you kind of tap into their surroundings, so access the microphone. So you can hear them. So you can hear them. And the ones that are more readily available, they probably will show up on your home screen. They're, they kind of tend to be marketed as parental monitoring apps. Yeah. Um, you know, keep your kids safe online or out in, out in the real world. Um, the ones that take a bit more know how to install they're the really intrusive ones and they might appear as sort of disguised so they might appear in what way so on your home screen they might just have a kind of calculator icon or weather icon you know there's those apps you just have millions of and you never really think twice about and you probably never click on them they're kind of designed to look like that others um and this was the case with lisa they might not appear at all that's kind of higher level hacking. But at that point, you know, you really have to take your phone into a professional to make sure it's safe. Because isn't that what the police said to Lisa? Like, you need to get rid of your phone, essentially. Essentially, that that point, the phone had been hacked. And that's another really interesting thing is that a lot of these technologies, they're really not safe. So your data can really easily, I mean, they're not regulated, a lot of these apps. Your data can end up online in big kind of data dumps on the dark web. You know, if you're a parent installing this to try and keep your child safer, actually, you might be doing the opposite. That tees us up perfectly, actually, that last point, because you found something else whilst looking into this. What's that? Yeah, the thing that really interests me and really the thing that drew me into this in the first place is this kind of behaviour spying on your partner, especially the kind of lower level stuff, the stuff that I was doing to you, is kind of becoming quite normal amongst young people and especially Gen Z and below. So it's becoming normalised for that generation to spy on their girlfriends and boyfriends? Or just on each other more generally. I mean, you only have to look at an app like Snapchat, which loads of them communicate with. On Snapchat, you have a map and you can turn that feature off, right? But you can see where all of your friends are and that is just considered completely normal by 
a lot of people of that age. And that's really interesting to me. And there was another cybersecurity company called Malwarebytes, and they did a survey recently. And their survey found that 40% of Gen Zers thought it was acceptable for partners to use monitoring apps or tools on each other. 40%? 40%. And wow. about half of them said that being able to track their significant other's location when they were away was quote unquote extremely important to me romantic <laughs> indeed <laughs> and what else is there any other sort of research into this to see this trend of the younger generation basically thinking this is kind of acceptable yeah so that survey um, the respondents were Americans but if we look at the UK those yeah. findings seem to sort of tally with what what's happening here but I suppose the question I had is, is why do younger people have more tolerance for being tracked, you know? And one of the answers that I was given when I was conducting interviews for this story was maybe because we are increasingly teaching kids not to value their own digital privacy. David Ruiz, who works for Malwarebytes and who, who led on this survey, he said he was really worried by the findings. And the reason he was really worried is that he he doesn't want a future. And I think a lot of us would kind of balk at the idea of a future where every relationship, as he put it, has a kind of form of monitoring embedded in it, as though that's healthy, as though it's normal. And he's worried that young people are kind of growing up, normalising this behaviour maybe from adults, and then implementing that same thing in their future romantic relationships. So what you're saying is children who are four, five, six, seven, eight now are growing up with a relationship with their parents, where their parents are sort of monitoring them in some way uh, to check where they are, etc. But that could potentially have uh, negative effects later in life where they believe that it's healthy to be monitored by a partner. Yeah, completely. I mean, you know, if you have that from someone who loves you, then why would you not accept it later on from somebody else who says they love you? When looking into this story, when I knew you were researching it, I spoke to, I think, five friends and colleagues um, with school children aged between six up to 16. And of those five parents I spoke with, only one of them doesn't monitor their child or children in, a, in some way. And that was because he didn't know how to install the software. <laughs> so it is quite common now, actually, for, for parents to be monitoring their kids. Yeah, completely. And and once that technology is there, you know, so long as you know how to install it, I think a lot of people feel that they'd be bad parents if they didn't use that. Because yeah. then, you know, if the worst were to happen and you're that one parent who hasn't got, you know, a, a tracker on your kid, then you're going to maybe feel a lot of responsibility. So it's it's really complicated. You know, I think that's from such a young age that we are kind of telling kids they don't really have privacy and that's your worry yeah and you know it, it where's the line it's really tricky if you are going to use this stuff you need to have important conversations about consent and about boundaries just being aware of not kind of doing this in a very blasé way because that could maybe lead to to some pretty worrying behaviors later on and I think we need to be having a conversation about, about that and about where we all think the line is.
While making this episode, we got in touch with Apple and Google. We wanted to know what protections are in place when tracking apps are downloaded onto people's phones and how the companies guard against non-consensual use of these apps. Apple told us they make every effort to protect users' privacy and security and have various safeguards in place and that apps which share user data without their consent are subject to removal from the App Store. Meanwhile, Google pointed us to their stalkerware policy. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Will Rowe, and my guest, reporter at The Times, Constance Kampfner. You can read Constance's full investigation into apps and spyware online with a subscription to The Times. We've also put a link to it in the episode notes of this podcast. Also, if you or anyone you know may have been affected by this episode, we've put some helplines in the show notes. Today's episode was produced by me and Sam Chantarasak. The executive producer was James Shield and sound design was by Mal Lissetto. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.